The U.S. dollar dominates global trade and brings Americans all kinds of benefits. This is part two in a series on the U.S. dollar as the global reserve currency. I am James Derrick, Chief Investment Strategist at Smedley Financial Services, and today my guest will be Jordan Hadfield. Jordan's going to help us understand how the United States got here and what lessons we can learn from the past. Welcome to the SFS Power Up Wealth Podcast, where we provide impactful insight and expert opinions on timeless financial principles and timely investment topics, preparing you to make smarter decisions with your money. Jordan, thank you for joining me today. Yes, thank you for having me. Jordan is a wealth consultant and financial advisor at Smedley Financial Services. He has a CFP designation, a university degree in financial planning, and is an entrepreneur. Jordan, last time we spoke about what a reserve currency is and all the benefits. There are a few downsides as well, but the benefits outweigh the costs for sure. Absolutely, they do. So now we're going to dive into history. Traditionally, money has been linked to precious metals, uh, especially gold. Why is that? Why does it matter? Um, obviously, we're not there now. Fill us in on a little bit of, of uh, how this, uh, what we call fiat money, is linked to precious metals. Most of my listeners, I'm assuming, has heard of the gold standard. And the gold standard is a monetary system which links the currency of a country directly to the gold it possesses. This does a number of things. Number one, and probably most importantly, um, it gives the currency some physical value that can be trusted. In other words, if you hand me a piece of paper and you tell me that it's worth 10 units, right? How do I know that that is worth 10 units? It's 10 peanut butter cups. 10 peanut butter cups, right. And then if I go to trade that, piece of paper you handed me with somebody else, they might disagree that it's worth 10 units. But if it's linked to gold, if you're like, this piece of paper is worth 0.4 ounces of gold and I can trade it for gold at any time, now I've got trust in that piece of paper you've handed me. And when I go to buy you know, these 10 peanut butter cups, the seller recognizes that they can take that piece of paper and exchange it at any time for 0.4 ounces of of gold. Um, and so it creates trust in the monetary system. And the gold standard was a very, very important part of economic history. So hundreds of years ago, they used to, the currency was actually made out of metals. Yes. Then, then they move away from that and it went to paper, but the paper represented metals like gold. Exactly. And it's important to understand that during the gold standard, anybody could change their paper at a central bank for the gold that it represented. Now, there were other reserve currencies before us that would have been doing the same thing. Exactly. What happened to them? Since 1450, there have been six world currencies, and the latest one was Great Britain. They held the reserve currency status in the 19th century, in the early 20th century, and most international trade was done in pound sterling. Um, and the pound sterling, of course, was linked to gold. They used the gold standard. What happened was with Great Britain is they entered the war, World War I, their economy as economies all over the world begin to struggle, right? Being linked to gold has some advantages and has some disadvantages. 
you cannot print money if you're on the gold standard unless you have gold to back that money. In other words, if you want to print more money, you have to first obtain more gold. Well, as we entered World War I and Britain's economy started to struggle, they tried to implement economic policy to stimulate their economy. What that requires is printing more money. They weren't able to obtain more gold to print that money. So they momentarily went off the gold standard so that they could print more money and stimulate their economy. When they went off the gold standard, people lost faith in the pound. The pound actually dropped 35% for a period of time um, after they went off the gold standard. And what they were doing, as well as almost every other American ally country in the world is they were shipping gold to America in exchange for weapons so that they could go fight in World War I and later World War II. So America is collecting all this gold from allied nations and they're exporting a tremendous amount of weapons. And so that brought stability to the American currency during this time. The American, the Americas were able to stay, the United States was able to stay on the gold standard while Great Britain had to, had to abandon it. You know, a few years later, Great Britain wanted to cement their status as the world currency issuer and they tried to go back to the gold standard. What happened was, without getting into too much boring detail, they tried to inflate the the pound, trying to return to old exchange rates, and other countries weren't buying it, right? that they, They viewed the pound as overvalued, and because the pound was overvalued, gold in Britain was undervalued. And so people were exchanging with other countries. International trade was taking place outside of Great Britain, and this just furthered the financial and economic stress in that country. And people started to look to America. By 1940, the United States had 70% of the world's gold supply. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Tremendous percent. So, and I imagine that the, the British Empire probably peaked around the time of the American Revolution. So they were the reserve currency for a very long time. And I imagine then that it was a very slow degradation, and then it happened very fast at the end. Yes, it did. I mean, within just 10, 15 years. And once that happens, you can't force it. You can't take it back and and force the world to accept your currency anymore. Yeah. Um, I mean, people were still trading in the pound, but in much smaller amounts. And people began to trade in 1920. People get, began to trade more and more uh, with the U.S. dollar. So between World War One and World War Two, uh, maybe the reserve currency was debatable between the two. But more and more, the American dollar. After World War Two, you said the United States had 70 percent of the gold in the world, which is unbelievable. So we were the de facto reserve currency. Is that something officially that happens or is it just unofficially happened like an unwritten rule? We now want to trade in dollars. Um, So in this case, it was unofficial in 1920. But because America, the United States, had accumulated so much of the world's gold, other countries could no longer implement the gold standard with their own currencies. And so it created a problem for all countries throughout the world. Everybody's going off the gold standard. 
they didn't have a choice. We had accumulated so much of the world's gold, there wasn't enough gold in other countries to support their currency. And so we needed a new international trade system. We needed a new global economic system. Uh, And so in 1944, 44 different countries met in New Hampshire to discuss how to best handle this. This is the Bretton Wood agreement. This is known as the Bretton Wood Agreement. And these countries agreed to implement a new economic system. What happened was, is all of these countries linked their currency to the United States dollar. So rather than these currencies being backed by gold, these currencies were pegged to the U.S. dollar and the U.S. dollar was pegged to gold. So indirectly, everybody was able to to back their currency with gold, but they did so through the United States dollar. Now, unlike the traditional gold standard where anyone could go in and exchange their money for gold, um, at this point, Americans could not trade their money in for gold. A lot of people don't realize that. But in, in since the Bretton Woods Agreement went on, you couldn't walk into a bank and exchange your dollars for gold. Um, however, the government allowed other countries to do so. So other countries had the ability to exchange the U.S. dollar that they had in their reserve system for gold. And so it gave the dollar strength and value in the world economy. And that was hugely beneficial. I mean, the Bretton Woods Agreement was advantageous in a number of different ways, but that is the big one. So I find that fascinating because when I think of the gold standard, I think of the 1970s when we came off of it. But really, Americans could not exchange uh, for gold uh, long before that. Yeah. I mean, there are places you could exchange for gold, but you couldn't walk into the bank and exchange your money for gold after the Bretton Woods Agreement like you could pre-1944. You couldn't do it with the U.S. government. You had to do it with a third party. So tell us now about the Nixon shock of the 1960s. So in the 1960s, the government finances came under stress, and that's because they were spending too much money. They were funding the Vietnam War. They were funding social programs. The economy started to, to weaken due to all the government spending, and something had to be done. Just like World War I with Britain, something had to be done to stimulate the economy. And so what did the United States government do? They did what Britain did. They printed more money. And with more money in the system, other countries started to question whether or not we had the gold to back up our dollar. These other countries started to say, hey, the dollar is overvalued. I'm going to start exchanging it for gold. And so Nixon feared that there would be a run on the U.S. gold supply. All of these other countries, France was a big one. There were other countries involved, too, that started exchanging their dollars with the United States government for the gold that the government had in reserves. This is obviously problematic. And um, they're giving us paper money and we're giving them gold and we're giving them the gold back. And they recognized that this trade was benefiting them um, because the value of the dollar had, had dropped. And so Nixon recognized that this was a problem. And if it continued, there could be a run on America's gold supply, which would be devastating. So he suspended, he temporarily suspended all trade of the U.S. dollar to gold. Which was only being done by other countries. Americans couldn't do it. Correct. As you mentioned. Yep. And so he stopped this and this caused panic. Many people during this time thought this was the end of the United States dollar as the world currency. Fears shot up. Um, the dollar dropped in the, on the global stage. It was a, it was a rough time 
right? For, for the American economy and the dollar going forward. What happened was, though, over time, is it actually strengthened the dollar. That sounds like it should have been the opposite, right? It, it certainly didn't happen for Britain. It didn't you happen mentioned for Britain. You dropped 35%. Let me interject here, though, with one other point of view on the uh, dropping the gold standard, because the other problem was that dollars were in such great demand that we didn't have enough dollars to support global trade. And and so th- this, is, this is a slightly different problem. This is the problem that we have to – if people are going to trade in dollars all over the world, there have to be enough dollars. And if we are restricted by the amount of gold we have, then we'll either lose the reserve currency or – We need to drop the gold standard. So if you drop the gold standard and allow more dollars out there, then global trade can take place between uh, Saudi Arabia and Britain in dollars, and we don't have to have the gold. And that does strengthen the dollar's place in the world. You're absolutely right, and that's where I'm going. And the difference was between America in 1971 and Britain, you know, in the, in 1914 was that the global economy is so much bigger at this point in time. And so I like to think of the gold standard as training wheels on a bicycle. The gold standard provided safety and security, just like training wheels do on the bike, but nobody's winning the Tour de France with training wheels, right? In other words, The gold standard has a lot of benefits, but one of the drawbacks is you can't print more money if you don't have more gold. And because the the world economy had grown to such an extent that we needed more money in the system in order to support the demand in the system. In other words, when there are more goods and services, we need more dollars in the system to be able to purchase those goods and services and grow the economy. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. That was a huge difference. In this time, a lot of people feared the dollar was going to lose its status, and it didn't. The American dollar got stronger, and the American economy got stronger. The government printed more money into the system to meet this demand for that money in the system, both domestically and internationally, and we've been reaping the benefits of that ever since. So it was called the Nixon shock because it shocked the system. It broke the Bretton Woods Agreement. From that point forward, you know, we had depegged our dollar to gold which is what we agreed to do to support all the other currencies in the nation. That went away. We've now adopted a floating rate system, right, where the rates of different currencies float and, and fluctuate. They're not pegged to any one currency or one precious metal, but it stimulated growth way beyond what was possible if we had stayed to the Bretton Woods Agreement and definitely far beyond what the gold standard could have provided us. Well put. Let's wrap this up with a discussion on how dominant is the U.S. dollar? So about 59% of world trade is still done in the U.S. dollar. Now, um, a lot of people are saying, well, that's come down. You know, it's hit high 60s. You know, 70% of world trade was once done in dollars, but it's also been lower. 59% is a healthy percentage. And uh, the the U.S. dollar continues to be strong in the global market. When crisis hits in the global market, people come to the U.S. dollar. In the 2008 financial crisis, this was another period of time where there was great fear of the American dollar losing its its global status as the world currency. People flooded to the dollar, and that provided stability to the American economy. It fueled future growth in the American economy. The dollar is still very, very strong. Part three 
Uh, the next time we meet, I look forward to diving into this topic a lot more. There's a lot here to discuss. I'm very excited about that. But currently, the dollar is strong. Thank you, Jordan, for coming in. And I really appreciate your knowledge. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to coming again. Thank you for joining the Power Up Wealth podcast. Spend the financials located at 102 South, 200 East, Suite 100 in Salt Lake City, Utah, 84111. Call us today at 800-748-4788. You can also find us on the web at smedleyfinancial.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. The views expressed are Smedley Financials and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA, SIPSI, Roger M. Smedley, Charlotte J. Jessup, James R. Derrick, Shane P. Thomas, Michael B. Ani, Jordan R. Hadfield, Registered Representatives. Investment Advisor Representatives of Smedley Financial Services, Inc. Advisory Services offered through Smedley Financial Services, Inc. Smedley Financial Services, Inc. and Securities America are separate entities. (music) 